Welcome to the Flint Citadels podcast of our Sunday morning worship service, a weekly production of the Salvation Army Flint Citadel Corps. because justice now revokes the sentence. Won't we sing those words on that fourth verse together and sing it out loud and strong, friends. Sinners moved by true repentance to purpose of Christmas is celebration. We learn this from the angel's opening statement to the shepherds of Bethlehem. God had wonderful news for us that would cause us all to rejoice, celebrate, and throw a party. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The good news of Christmas is worth celebrating for three reasons. It is personal. I bring you. It is positive. Good news of great joy. And it is universal. For all the people, it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been, or where you're headed, this news is for you. Good morning. If you take a look at the meeting outline this morning, the songs we're singing, the scriptures, it it looks like we're up to our eyeballs in angels. Angels are really quite amazing um, creatures. And this morning, we'll focus on their even more amazing message, a message that was shared that first Christmas night a couple thousand years ago. 
Angels are God's messengers. And according to scripture, a direct encounter with an angel is unnerving. It's unsettling. Now, I haven't had that experience myself, but every time we find an appearance of an angel in the scriptures, they seem to strike fear in the hearts of men. In fact, in in Luke, the second chapter, we're told that these angels were enveloped in um, a holy light as the glory of the Lord was revealed. The angel begins his message in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, saying, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. It's clear that the message that um, this angel shared wasn't one that gave cause for fear. Quite the opposite. He said, I bring you good news of great joy. Instead of a reason to fear, it was more like a reason to have a party, a reason to celebrate. And we're pretty good at that, aren't we? At Christmas time, we have more parties than at any other time of year. Office parties, school parties, family parties, church parties, community parties. You may tire of partying, but did you know that God likes to party? In fact, the Bible says that the angels hold a party every time a person trusts in Christ. When they turn away from their sin and their self-centeredness, and they turn to him in faith, there's a party in heaven. So what's the purpose of Christmas? First, it's a celebration. And in verse 10, the angel says that everyone is invited to this party. And that, and uh, what is it that we're celebrating? Well, the angel tells us that too. He said, I bring you good news. The good news of Christmas can be summarized by three things. The first piece of good news is this. God loves us. God loves us. The most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's good news. Christmas is God saying, I love you. He loves you on your bad days just as much as he loves you on your good days. He loves you when you think you deserve it and he loves you when you don't think you deserve it. You see, his love isn't based on who you are or what you do. His love is based on who he is. Because, as 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. The second piece of good news is that not only does God love us, but he is with us. That's the miracle of Christmas. God came to live with us as a human. In fact, the Bible says one of Jesus' names is Emmanuel. That name means God with us. The good news is that God not only loves you, but he is with you all the time. The good news is that you don't have to face anything in the year 2010 alone. You can if you want to. 
That's your choice. You can, you can face all the trials and struggles of your life alone, but you don't have to because God promises that he will be with you. But there's more. He not only loves us, and he not only is with us, but the Bible also says God is for us. Did you hear that? Contrary to popular opinion, God is on our side. God is on your side. He wants you to succeed. You may be afraid of God, but he wants you to succeed. Many people get nervous when um, God is mentioned, when, when people talk about God. You know why? Guilt. Guilt separates us from God. You think, if I get close to God, he's going to come down on me. He's going to remind me of all the stupid things I've done, all the wrong things I've said, all the messes that I've made. But that's not the message of Christmas. It's quite the opposite, isn't it? The Bible says God didn't come at Christmas to condemn the world. He came to save it. Jesus came to save us, not to scare us. That's why the very first words of the angel were, don't be afraid. Those are words for you too, today. Don't be afraid. You don't need to be afraid of God because he says, I love you. I'm with you. I'm for you. That's good news, isn't it? That's very good news. And that's why we celebrate Christmas, especially as Christians. It is good news of great joy, and it's for everybody, whosoever. Whether you're Catholic, Protestant, Jewish, Muslim, Mormon, Hindu, Buddhist, Salvationist, or nothing at all. The advent of Christ can be good news for you. Good news of great joy for all the people. God says, I love you. I'm with you. I'm for you. So let's party as Captain Chris comes to lead us in singing. Can you kind of do this in a party spirit? Now you know what I put up with all the time. Now we'll sing, hark the herald angels sing, and we'll sing all three verses.
Okay, so we've established that the angel's message was one of good news and great joy, and that it was a message for everyone, whether you're Catholic, Protestant, Jewish, Muslim, Mormon, Hindu, Buddhist, Salvationist, or even an atheist. The message of Christmas is good news because God says, I love you, I'm with you, I'm for you. So let's move on to the second purpose of Christmas. It's found in the angel's statement in Luke chapter 2, verse 11. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is Christ the Lord. The second purpose of Christmas is salvation. Actually, I really think it's the first purpose of Christmas, because without salvation, there's really very little to celebrate Personally, maybe, um, maybe you don't feel like you need to be saved. But let me ask you this. If, um, if we didn't need a Savior, do you think God would have went to all the effort and trouble to send one? The salvation that this Savior, Jesus Christ, offers has at least three dimensions. First, we're saved from something. That something is sin. Sin produces guilt. Guilt produces worry and regret. He saves us from that. He saves us from our past, from ourselves, from worry and bitterness, and ultimately from judgment and condemnation. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, Joseph was told in a dream these words. Give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. We tend to think of sin as um, something we do, acts of disobedience. And it's true that, that these things are manifestations of sin, but at its heart, sin is an attitude, a problem of the heart. It's an I problem, I want to be my own boss. I don't need God. I know what's going to make me happy better than God does. So I'm going to do what I want to do with my life, not what you, God, put me here on earth to do. That's called sin. And this sin, this attitude of independence, creates a separation between you and a holy God. 
That's why he sent Jesus as a Savior. We need to be saved from ourselves, from our pride, from our attitude of independence. We need to be saved from sin. In fact, our sin, our our separation from God, causes confusion and conflict in our lives. Just, Just think about it. It causes guilt and shame and regret. It causes bitterness, resentment, and grudges. It causes worry and fear and anxiety. Sin causes depression, discouragement, emptiness, and despair. Our sin, our I'm going to do things my way attitude, separates us from God. And the truth is, many of us really do need to be saved from ourselves. Have you... um, grown up enough, matured enough to figure out that you are one of your own biggest problems a lot of the times? Your reactions, your fears, your inadequacies, these things can cause you to act stupidly. God wants to save us, all of this, from ourselves. He wants to save us from our sins. God sent Jesus saying, I want to set you free. I want to release you. I want to forgive you. I want to save you. Second, we are saved for something. For a purpose. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Salvation, however rewarding it is personally, has a bigger purpose. God has a plan. You are a part of that plan. The Bible says this, He saved us and He called us to be His own people, not because of what we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. Most of the world basically lives at a survival level. Half of the world, that's three billion people, can't even conceive of that number. Half of the world live on less than $2 a day. That's survival. If you're an American, you're already at the success level. The poorest of poor in America are at the success level compared to the rest of the world. Most of the world would love to have our problems, even even for those who are poor among us. They would love to have those problems. But why, you say, If I'm so successful, why do I feel so unfulfilled? I suggest to you this morning that it's because you were made for more than success. That's not the ultimate goal of life. That's not God's ultimate desire for you. You were made for something greater than success. You were made for significance. And significance truly comes and only comes from knowing God from knowing his purpose for your life, and then doing it. All the success in the world can't give you that. And and we could list the names of people who have it all, and their lives are a mess. And third, we're saved by something. That something is grace. Grace means you don't earn it, and you don't deserve it. You see... We can't buy our way into heaven. We can't be good enough to earn our way into heaven because heaven's perfect. 
And we're not. We're not. So Jesus says, I'll give you my grace. I'll give you my grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, It is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. In other words, you can't earn your way to heaven. You don't have enough good works in you to do it if you tried. It's a gift. It's what it has to be. It's the only way. The second question, or the question for us is, will we accept the gift of Christmas? When Jesus Christ came to earth, he came as a baby. That's what Christmas commemorates. But he didn't stay a baby. He grew up, became a man, and he died for our sins. That's why we celebrate, because God sent a Savior. Before we go any further in this service, I wonder if there's anyone here who needs to be saved. To be saved from your sin by God's grace so that he might use you for his purposes. Are you tired trying to do it on your own? Do you want to um, let go, stop that struggle, and let God take charge of your life? That does take a miracle. It is a miracle when we um, come to that place in our lives where we can admit our need. It's a miracle because it's the Holy Spirit that enables you to come to that realization. And if the Holy Spirit is indicating to you that you need to be saved, then this is a time to respond. Major Keith Bailey is going to lead us in a prayer time right now. And if you need to be saved, I invite you to come. I'll be here if anyone wants to pray. And there are other uh, Christians here who will pray with you as well. Spirit, I know you know. Who needs help this morning? We all need help. There's a lot of miracles that are needed here. There are some folks here this morning that need the miracle of salvation. They need to come to know you as Lord and Savior. The time is getting close to your return. And we want to be ready want our loved ones to be ready to the one who is wavering right now I just pray Lord Jesus you'll speak to that person to those persons and help them to see their need and how Lord you can meet those needs and yes it is truly a miracle Lord what you can do in somebody's life we thank you Lord Jesus for all that you've done for us and all that you will do name we pray. Amen.
reason we have to do that is because we have been sold into bondage. Uh, we have been sold into bondage to sin, and we can't get out of it. We don't have the resources, we don't have the strength, we don't have the ability to free ourselves from that bondage. What we need is a redeemer. We're going to sing about that redeemer. A redeemer is someone who purchases you out of your bondage, someone who saves you. We need to be redeemed. Christmas is the unfolding of that redemption. It's the redemption come in flesh. And I think that is so exciting. If you don't know that redemption, today is a great day to experience it. We're going to sing this song straight through. There is a Redeemer. Who is it? It's Jesus, God's own Son. Precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One. Let's sing this together. Why don't we stand? Redeemer that we just sang about, Jesus, God's own Son. Christmas is thanking the Father for giving us His Son. So let's recap. 
the first purpose of Christmas is celebration. I bring you good news of great joy, and it's for everybody. The second purpose of Christmas is salvation. For unto you is born this day a Savior, and he is Christ the Lord. Here's the third thing the angel said. Actually, in this case, the angel was joined by a heavenly uh, multitude of creatures. And they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's called reconciliation. Reconciliation occurs when a broken relationship is restored. When a boyfriend and girlfriend or a husband and wife get back together, there is a reconciliation. When a father and son who are fighting settle matters, they are reconciled. They restore harmony. They restore peace between one another. Christmas is about reconciliation. It's about peace on earth, goodwill toward men. I wonder where you might need peace in your life this Christmas. Where you might need some goodwill, some reconciliation. Well, the first reconciliation we need is with God. We need peace with God. I don't know if, um, if you realize this or not, but if you're trying to live your life without God, you're really at war with him. If you're saying, I'm going to run my own life, I'm going to do my own thing, then you are at war with God and you need a peace treaty. You need reconciliation because that relationship has been broken, your relationship with God. That's what Jesus Christ came into this world to do. He came to be the bridge over the troubled waters of your life. He came to be the reconciler between God and man. Once you make peace with God, which is a a spiritual peace, then you get the peace of God in your heart. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. You see, when when you're at peace with God, and his peace dwells in you, you have that peace inside you, then you can move to the last kind of peace. That's peace with other people. Romans 12, 18 encourages us, if possible, so far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men. Are there people out there that uh, you're at war with? People who have something against you or perhaps whom you uh, bear a grudge against? Christmas is a perfect time to show grace to other people. The same grace that God has shown to you. For too many people, 
Christmas is instead a time of conflict and contention as families gather and unresolved interpersonal matters are brought to the surface. You ever been there? <laughs> I remember some Christmases and family gatherings where you could cut the tension like uh, with a knife because there was so much unresolved um, bitterness and things that had happened in the past and there had been no reconciliation. And, and you know what, what we want to do then is just not go. I want to be around my family. I don't want to go to that place because I don't want to deal with that. You been there before? For them, Christmas is anything but peaceful. The truth is, there's just not a lot of grace and forgiveness in this world, is there? And in many families, there's not much grace either. At Christmas, we're reminded however, of the grace God shows to us. He gives us what we need, not what we deserve. And that's something to be thankful for. Perhaps there are people in your life this Christmas who need your grace so that they might have peace. You can give them what they need. Grace, forgiveness, not because they deserve it. They may well have erred, have um, offended. Because, you know, if they deserved it, they wouldn't need grace, would they? But you can extend grace. Maybe it can be contagious. Maybe your family will catch on. Let me ask you, with whom do you need to restore a broken relationship this Christmas? With whom do you need to be reconciled? 2 Corinthians 5.19 tells us, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. And we not only have the message, the words of reconciliation to share, we have this message to live out with our own friends and our own family in our own lives. That's the spirit of Christmas. Peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. I really encourage you, if you have a relationship in need of reconciliation, what better time to do it than at Christmas? Give you a great opportunity to share how God reconciled you to him through Jesus. Commit yourself today to being a peacemaker. And this Sunday before Christmas, remember that Jesus Christ is God's Christmas gift to you. Some of you, perhaps, have gone Christmas after Christmas, never really opening the best gift under the tree, Jesus Christ. He is a gift worth celebrating because he offers the gift of salvation. He offers the gift of peace. It's God's gift to you. I mean, why even celebrate Christmas if you're not going to open God's best gift? Who does that? It doesn't make sense to leave the gift of your sins forgiven 
a purpose for living in a home in heaven, unopened and unused. And if you've already opened that gift, yet you aren't living in peace, then be a peacemaker this Christmas and be reconciled. In a minute, uh, Major Colette Bailey is going to come and lead us in our song of response. And I don't know what kind of response you need to make. But if you need to be reconciled with God and you didn't take advantage of the opportunity a few moments ago, or if you need to be reconciled with another person and, and you just need the courage this Christmas season to, to go and make that right, to go and offer forgiveness, to, to go and bring peace, then I invite you to bring that matter to God, to ask him to, to give you strength and to give you direction, to give you courage. Why don't you do it today? I ask you to consider this as Major Bailey comes to lead us. Christmas is a time of joy. Um, it's a time of joy for those that believe, and it's a time of joy for, time for those that do not. But those of us who know the Lord as our Savior have a special kind of joy, a joy that has freed us, who ha that has made us, um, bought us out of our bondage. And what a, what a wonderful thing that is for us. I found the Lord when I was five. And people say, oh, well, when you're five, you know, you don't know what you're doing. Yes, you do. And from that point on in my life, when I was five years old, the Lord has led me through my life. But you don't have to be five. You don't have to be 15. You don't have to be 25. You don't have to be 55. You can even be 85, 95. The Lord is still waiting for you to accept him. And this is a song of joy. It's a song of peace. It's a happy Christmas song. But that doesn't mean that during your, these, the happy singing time that you can't come and give your heart to the Lord. Because like Captain John said, um, the, the angels rejoice with those that ask the Lord into their hearts. They have a party. They have a celebration when one of, his, one of the children of God come to know him. So let's sing this song together. I'm going to encourage you to stand. And um, Steve, wherever you are, it's a good thing I do. He's been teasing me about last week all week long. So um, <laughs> we, I, this is a chorus that you know. Joyful, joyful. You may not know the words, but you will know the tune. So let's sing this together, and I would encourage you that if you have business to do with the Lord this morning, that you will take this opportunity on this wonderful Christmas morning to do so and come here and pray or stay in your seats and remain and ask the Lord into your heart to be your Savior this morning.
Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the wonderful gift that you have given us, the gift of your, your son, Jesus Christ. And as we read in your word, as we read today, I, after the shepherds came and went, went to Bethlehem and the angels had left and gone, um, they hurried off and found the Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger, and they were amazed. And Lord, just help us to keep that amazement in our hearts and to go as they did, as the shepherds did, and tell the story, the good story, the wonderful story and the words that people need to hear today, that you have come, our Savior has come to redeem us. Help us to be a blessing to others this week. We pray all of these things in your precious name. Amen. This has been the weekly podcast of the Flint Citadel's Morning Worship Experience. We hope you were blessed. Join us again for next week's service. Better yet, join us in person anytime at the Citadel, located in the heart of downtown Flint, at 211 West Kersley Street, where you're always among friends. For more information about the Salvation Army in Flint and our worship times and weekly activities, visit us online at www.flintcitadel.org or call us at area code 810-232-2199. Thanks for listening.